you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Ruth chapter 2. Um, if you don't have your Bible, the scripture that we're looking at is printed in your bulletin on the inside cover. <clears throat> and so we're going to be looking at Ruth chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 23. Friends, listen. This is God's word. Can anybody actually read? No. What happened to the lights? Do we, oh, we're working on it? Okay, we're working on it. So, y'all, let me read you a story this morning. <laughs> or if you have your phones, those are backlit, so you should be okay with that. Okay, this is Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. She just happened to come to the field. <laughs> to the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people yet you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servants, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. And so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted, he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. 
Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, this man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she clept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is God's word. I want to remind you as we start today that every time we open the Bible, we have the opportunity to be changed. We do this every week. So many of you read the Bible on your own. I just want to remind you that this is a book about God. This is a book about people who know God and how God works in their lives. And every time we open it, it can change us. And that's what's going to happen today. This story is fitting for Advent because this is a story that's a window into Christmas. We saw last week, it's a story of someone who needs God to show up in her life. Right? Naomi is bitter. Chapter 1 ended with Naomi back in Bethlehem. Right? She's a bitter woman, convinced that God was against her. She had lost everything, and now all she has is Ruth. All she has is Ruth, a daughter-in-law from Moab. And we saw last week Moab was one of the enemies of Israel, a backwards place that was corrupt, um, and had tried to curse and oppress Israel. Um, and so Ruth was an outsider that made Naomi all the more feel like an outsider to God and to her own people. And again, this relates to Christmas because the second Advent candle is the Bethlehem candle. Bethlehem was the place where Jesus was born and it was the place where all kinds of people gathered together to worship him. You know, in Bethlehem, they gathered, they gathered to worship the newborn king. And Bethlehem teaches us that around this new king, around Jesus, no one is an outsider. That's what the Bethlehem candle is about. It's about the fact that around Jesus, no one needs to feel like an outsider. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this. Naomi was an outsider. She felt, even though she was an Israelite, she felt like an outsider. Ruth was an outsider by birth. And chapter 2 of Ruth shows us how God invites us back inside. And so we're going to look at several points today. Uh-oh. Let me see here. Well, the first point we're going to look at <clears throat> is that Ruth's faithfulness provides for Naomi. Okay? Ruth's faithfulness provides for Naomi. 
Um, chapter 2 begins with her saying, okay, I'm going to go. Verse 2, let me go into the field and glean among the ears of grain. And so she goes out to glean. Okay, so Ruth came home with Naomi not to mooch off of her, not to be uh, like a ball on a chain, not to be a hindrance to her, but Ruth comes home to love her. And the word that she spoke to Naomi in chapter 1 that, I, you know, that, that word of devotion, that word of, 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 of commitment to Naomi, we see that it actually bears itself out in fruit, in fruitfulness, because Ruth goes out to work. And so she goes out to glean. And I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about gleaning so that you can know what's going on here in this story. Gleaning is collecting the scraps left over in a field after a harvest. Okay, and so let me show you here. This is a field of barley. <clears throat> it's a barley field. Barley is a grain that grows in skinny stalks, just like wheat, um, and its grains were used to make food, to make bread, primarily. And so the reapers would pass through fields, and what they would do is they'd just cut these things down with a knife, with a sword, or not a knife, but, <clears throat> you know, like the sickle kind of thing. They would cut these, these stalks down, and then they would tie them up in bundles, and in this photo, if you look closely, you can see that you can see that Ruth's faithfulness provides for Naomi. <coughs> um, so if you look close, and you can imagine this if you can't see this, but you've got like just stray stalks that just sort of fall, right? They're just not picked up well. They're not tied up. Um, they just sort of fall to the ground. And um, and so gleaning was following after this reaper. Okay, it was going after them and literally picking those stalks up one by one. Okay, that's what gleaning was. It was long work. It was hard work. It was exhausting, back-breaking work. And it was subsistence living. Okay, it was subsistence living because you were literally gathering up the scraps that the reapers left behind. <clears throat> And in the Bible, God actually commands landowners to provide the ability for the poor to come and glean in their fields. Okay, he even tells them that they can't fully reap their entire fields. So they can't, there, there are portions of their fields they're not even allowed to cut down. Okay, let me show this to you um, after we see point number one, Ruth's faithfulness <laughs> um, provides for Naomi. This is Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. Okay, are you with me here? So you are not allowed to cut down the stalks all the way up to the edge, and you're not allowed to go back through and gather up all the gleanings. Let's say verse 10. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Same kind of thing. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. So if grape falls to the ground, you don't pick it up. Why? You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. The sojourner, those were folks that traveled through, that were traveling through an area or were living for a short time in an area. Um, and so God says you need to provide for the poor and for the needy. And so this practice of gleaning, I mean, that last phrase is important. God says, do this, I am the Lord your God. What that means, whenever you see it, it means that God is saying, like, this is my heart. This is who I am. It's God's heart 
to care for the poor and the needy. And so Ruth goes out and she gleans. She goes out and she works hard. She works hard. Look at verse 7. It says she came, the end of it, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. If you look at verse 17, it says, so she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she gleaned. Now normally, gleaning all day would give someone two pounds of grains each day. So when you were done beating it, uh, you get two pounds of grains, and that would be barely enough to feed two people. You take those two pounds, you make bread, and you can feed barely two people. And so what we see here, again, is like committed devotion. Naomi is locked in bitterness, either too old or too depressed to go to work herself. And Ruth, what she promised Naomi in chapter 1, she now shows in her works. She declared her love, her faithfulness, her commitment to Naomi, uh, and her love and commitment to her mother-in-law. It's not in word only, but it shows itself in what she does. Real love can be seen. Real love can be seen. And so Ruth's faithfulness provides for Naomi. Um, our second point is that Boaz blesses Ruth's faithfulness. Boaz blesses Ruth's faithfulness. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> Boaz comes from Bethlehem to his fields to check in. Right? Boaz came from Bethlehem. Verse 5, Boaz notices Ruth and asks about her. And then we see that Boaz sets his favor on Ruth. Boaz decides to set his favor on Ruth. In verse 8, here I got a list here. This is what Boaz gives to Ruth. First, Boaz gives her acceptance. In verse 8, he says, listen, my daughter. Right? Listen, my daughter. Do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. So Boaz says, you don't need to go anywhere else. You can stay right here. You are welcome here. So Boaz welcomes Ruth. And, in verse, and then also in verse 8, he gives her community. He says in verse 8, keep close to my young women. You don't need to work alone. In verse 9, he gives her protection. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Gleaning wasn't just backbreaking, exhausting work. It was also dangerous. Think about it. Um, out in the field... Uh, you have some people, you've got people with power, people who are in charge. Then you have workers that are there. And if a woman shows up and she's not connected to anyone, in a lot of places, she's fair game. And yet Boaz protects her. Then Boaz gives her refreshment. Again in verse 9, he says, When you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So Boaz is including her. I mean, obviously, you can imagine what kind of thirst would build up as you worked all day long. And unless there was a, a well there, but that well would have been owned, Boaz saying, look, my men, my employees have brought water for my people, and I want you to be able to drink when you're thirsty. So he gives her refreshment, then he gives her lunch. Verse 14, 
At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some of the bread and dip your morsel in the wine. Dip your morsel in the wine. So she wouldn't have to eat what, what she was gleaning. Right? You can kind of chew on the grains of barley, you know, which would get, probably get you through the end of the day. But she wouldn't have to eat what she was gleaning. And so she gets bread, she gets wine, and then look, she gets roasted grain. <laughs> roasted grain. This reminds me of um, uh, uh, in Despicable Me, um, if you remember that movie. There's a point where the little girls are, are really irritating Gru, and, uh, and they say, hey, can we order pizza? And Gru says, like, he just wants to get him out of his hair. He's like, yeah, fine, you can order pizza. And then they go, stuffed crust? You know, and that's what roasted grain is. It's like, oh my goodness, like this is the good stuff. Like this is like, he's not just giving her, he's giving her the good stuff. He's giving her roasted grain. So he gives her lunch. And then he doesn't just give her lunch, but he gives her an abundance. Like this is Boaz blessing her. This is Boaz setting his favor on Ruth. He doesn't just give her enough to eat. He doesn't just give her enough to get by, but verse 14 says she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. From what we've seen, it might have been 10 years since Ruth could say to someone, no, 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 I'm full. Ten years. And yet Boaz shows his favor by giving her enough till she's satisfied and she's got some left over. And then Boaz shows her extravagant grace. I mean, what he's done already is gracious. It demonstrates favor. But then he gives to her out of his abundance. According to his abundance, he gives to Ruth. Look at verse 16. He says also, pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean. So he's talking to his young men, he's talking to his employees, and he's saying, okay, Ruth, she's one of us. I want you to take care of her. I want you to make sure that she can reap among, or glean among, the, uh, among the, the sheaves, and then I want you to take what's already been bundled up, right? Go to the stacks of bundles, and I want you to pull out some of the sheaves and just throw them in front of her. Throw them in front of her so that when Ruth comes looking, she's not picking stalks up one by one. But Boaz says, make sure, make sure that she has some from our bundles so that she can glean. And don't rebuke her. Don't rebuke her. There are going to be people who are going to be shocked at what is happening because we're going to give Ruth favor that we don't give anybody else. And they're going to tell you, hey, this isn't fair, but don't rebuke her. In verse 17, when she goes to beat out what she gleaned, and so let me, got a couple other pictures here. So this is close up of a barley stalk. Um, and the way this works is that those little sort of beady looking things, this is what you want. You don't want anything else. And so they would beat these heads of grain to get out the grain that's inside. And um, you'd get this, right? So that's what you can use. That's what you then use to make food. And verse 17 says, when she beat out what she gleaned, it was an ephah. 
There's an ephah. Come on. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> an ephah. I looked this up too. I didn't know what it was. And my footnote, well, my footnote says three-fifths of a bushel, which wasn't helpful at all. <laughs> I looked up what a bushel says. It says 22 liters, which that actually gets, gets closer to something. Okay, 11 two-liter bottles of soda filled with, all right, now we're getting somewhere, right? Um, so an ephah is roughly 35 pounds of barley. Yeah, 35 pounds of barley. And so you do the math. You do the math, and this is several weeks of normal gleaning in one day. Okay, because normally you can get about two pounds a day. And, and so here's Ruth walking home. <laughs> I mean, this is Ruth walking home. Boaz makes sure that she has as much as she can possibly carry. He sets his favor on her. He gives her his extravagant grace. And in this whole process, Ruth, she's overwhelmed. She's overwhelmed. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground. I mean, think about this. This is a foreign woman in a land that doesn't love her, doesn't like her, wants to kill her people, doesn't belong anywhere was taking her life into her own hands, even to go out and glean. And yet here's Boaz. Here is Boaz and his favor. And so she falls on her face, bowing to the ground, and says, why? Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz tells her, verse 11 and 12, Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Boaz says, I'm doing this, Ruth, because you are a faithful woman. Because you have been faithful to Naomi. You have blessed an Israelite and you deserve to be blessed. Boaz says, this is the least I can do because of your faithfulness, the way that you have cared for and loved and been faithful and devoted to your mother-in-law. And it's, it's bigger. I mean, it's even bigger than that because verse 12 then goes from the horizontal. It's about Boaz and Ruth. And verse 12 goes to the vertical, and Boaz says, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. What we see here is that Boaz actually believes that what he is doing is imaging God's love for Ruth. It's almost like with every act that Boaz takes. If you become Boaz here for a second or put yourself in his place, um, as Boaz cares for her, as Boaz protects her, as Boaz gives her water and food and an abundance and extravagant grace, I imagine Boaz every step of the way 
like turning back, looking over his shoulder at God, and God saying, yes. Like, you are, you are a reflection of me. Boaz, I am loving Ruth through you. Ruth says to Naomi in chapter 1, remember this last week? She says, your people shall be my people. I think here Boaz is saying, Ruth, you now are our people. And so Boaz blesses Ruth's faithfulness. Our last point is that Ruth's faithfulness saves Naomi. Ruth's faithfulness saves Naomi. Because when, when Ruth gets back, um, what happened to Ruth changes Naomi. Okay, look with me here. In verse 19, Naomi's hope is reborn. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? Right, that's what it sounds like in the Hebrew. Where did you glean today? Are you serious? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And so we see here that Ruth's faithfulness, Ruth goes out, and in, in, because of her faithfulness, she is blessed by Boaz. And Ruth's faithfulness now brings home the hall and Naomi can't believe it. Her eyes light up. And she's now pronouncing a blessing on the man who did this. Think about this. Ruth or Naomi is going from, in chapter 1, don't even call me Naomi, call me bitter. Right? My name is bitter. And so Naomi is bitter. She's potentially depressed, wanted to isolate herself. Ruth wouldn't let her. And now she is blessing someone else. She's blessing someone else. In verse 20, she starts praying for Boaz. Right? Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. It's interesting, that last phrase, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead, who's that talking about? Is it talking about Boaz? Is it talking about God? I think we're supposed to stumble and ask that question because I think it's ambiguous on purpose. Because I think Boaz's kindness is a reflection of God's kindness. I mean, again, God's kindness is so often shown through his people. But Naomi is praying for Boaz. She's realizing that God has not forsaken her. Right? What she said in chapter 1, why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Right? And now she's saying, God hasn't forgotten me. She's saying, I'm not alone. And then in verse 22, I think she actually may be repenting. Because Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, she said, it's good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, 
lest in another field you be assaulted. This might be a stretch, but I think that what's going on here um, is that, I mean, because it's kind of a no-duh sort of thing. Like, it's a good thing that you go here, right? You come out with this huge sack of barley. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be doing really well here. Um, but I think what she's saying here is she's saying, Ruth, I think you should stay put. Ten years ago, I didn't stay put. Ten years ago, I left. And I regret it. And so I don't want you to do what I did. Stay put here. Stay here. Stay here. And in this, I think Naomi is acknowledging some of her past and she's dealing with it. I mean, sometimes all we, need to do, all we need to do in dealing with our past is just to confess it. It's just to talk about it, just to confess it to God, um, to bring it out, just to call it what it is so that it can be forgiven and we can move on. And so, but it's, it's Ruth's faithfulness. It's her coming home. It's, it's her going first, like trusting Ruth does not have the same attitude that Naomi has. Ruth hasn't given up. Ruth still has hope. Right? So she goes and is blessed by God, brings the blessings home to share with Ruth, with Naomi. And now Naomi is coming back to life. Um, yesterday, um, it, it poured for about 15 minutes. Right? Um, we live, our street backs into Switzer Canyon, and so whenever it pours, um, we, we, gotta, we, we go down to the river because <laughs> we have this dry riverbed um, that runs through Switzer Canyon except when it rains, and it really has to rain. And yesterday, it was really raining. And so I went down with some of the kids uh, into the canyon, and we got down there, and it was pouring, but there was no water in the river. It was dry, and so we were kind of frustrated. Like the ground around the river was wetter than in the riverbed that runs through, and so we were kind of walking, and there was no water anywhere. It was really kind of a sad thing. And um, so we ended up, <clears throat> there's two places where we crossed over the dry riverbed. And so we were walking, we crossed both places, um, got to another place, and then we decided to turn around and come back. And so we came back, and we crossed over um, the, fir the, the, the first river crossing, then we came back right where our street dead ends, and there's another river crossing. But when we got back here, there was a river. Like the water was flowing down the river. And so the first thing I thought of was, wait a sec, like, is it possible that the river is here and not yet here at this other, other crossing? So I turned around and hightailed it, and the kids were running, running after me, and we got back to this other river, and it was still dry. It was still dry. And I'm like, this is amazing. And so I stood there in the dry river. I was like, kids, kids, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And so there we are. We're standing in the dry riverbed, and we are waiting for what's coming. Because we knew we had seen it. <laughs> we saw it up here, but we hadn't seen it here. And so, um, and what we were looking at was probably about 30 feet, and then it, took, it takes a sharp right turn, and you, we couldn't see it. And so there we are. We're looking about 30 feet down, and we're sitting there, and we're waiting. 
and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And Ryan, he goes running up, and he looks around the bed, and he's like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And so there we are, and we're waiting. And sure enough, it took, I don't know, three, four minutes. We're like, really? Like, man, how long is it going to take? Because it's not that long, but, but here, and so, and then sure enough, it starts coming. And we see it, and it was amazing how slowly it was coming. I, and, and I've been, I'm almost 40, I've never ever seen a flash flood thing happen before. Um, we've lived in this house for six years, we've gone down to the canyon so many times when it rains, and I've never ever seen it when the river first comes. And when it came around, it was like, oh man, here it comes. And so it's coming, it's coming, it's getting closer, it's closer, and it's moving like it's probably moving like this fast. It wasn't in a hurry. It's just because it's like filling in all the gaps and it's going in between all the cracks. It's filling the little things. Um, and so when it finally gets to us, you know, like it rushes over our feet and then we get out in front of it. And we literally just walked in front of the river and watched it fill up. And there's like a dam at one place. And so we got to watch it fill that up and then overflow. Um, why am I telling you this story? Well, because it was cool. Because yesterday it was awesome in the canyon. You should come over and we can take it in the canyon if it pours next time. I think what happened, I think what happened in the story is that Ruth, in her faithfulness, in Ruth's faithfulness, she goes out and she sees the river and she sees it coming. And when she goes home, it's like she brings, she tells Naomi, hey, the river is coming. The river is coming. And Naomi looks at what she's carrying and she realizes that God hasn't forsaken her. God hasn't forsaken her. That the, the river is coming. And as Ruth comes in, I think Naomi can finally see the river now herself. And she realizes God has not forsaken us. Friends, that's how this story then leads us to Christmas. Because right? if you feel forsaken, you need to realize that Jesus is our Ruth. Jesus can be a Ruth to you because he came. That's what Christmas teaches us. He came. And he didn't just come, but he came to work for you. Before you were born, before you got bitter, before you fell into whatever circumstances that you're dealing with. Jesus came and he went out and he worked for you. This is Christmas. It's not just a cute, cuddly baby in a manger. It's a man who came with a mission. And his mission was to provide perfect faithfulness to God and to give you the blessings of his faithfulness. His death and his resurrection take away the guilt of your sin and they give you new life. His death and resurrection come to you and say you can be saved. God cares about you. God is on your side. You are not alone, and it brings new life. 
It meets us in our bitterness. It meets us in our loneliness. So Jesus is pictured in Ruth. And I think Boaz then becomes a picture of God. Right? Boaz saw Ruth's faithfulness and blesses her. Well, God saw Jesus' faithfulness and then blesses us. And we can't forget, especially with the Bethlehem candle, remember, Ruth is a Moabite. It says this all, like every time. In verse 2, Ruth the Moabite, right? Verse, uh, verse 6, she is the young Moabite woman from the country of Moab, right? Every place it talks about Ruth. It talks about how she is a Moabite. She's a foreigner. Verse 21, Ruth the Moabite said, right? Over and over and over again, it's like making this emphasis that Ruth is a foreigner. She doesn't belong with God's people. And yet, look, this is what's happening. In Bethlehem, it's happening. Those who are far away from God are being welcomed in. They're being brought back to him. If you come to Jesus, there is no need to feel outside of anything. That's his promise. That's the promise of Bethlehem. And so, I want you to receive this story. I want you to celebrate Jesus Ruth is a good example, but Jesus is a great savior. Ruth can inspire you to want to be like her, and we should, right? But Jesus can, can save you and give you the strength that you need. This is why I don't want you to just celebrate Christmas this season. I want you to worship. This story becomes more than a story when it leads you to worship Jesus, and again, I want you to use this acrostic, this ACTS, the Acts of Christmas, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We use this in our city Bible reading, right? This, this Bible reading plan that we use here at the church. If you want to know more about it, you can ask me about it. Um, or, um, but these four ways of praying will help us to go from celebrating Christmas to worshiping um, in adoration, we can adore God for who he is and what he's done because God cared for Ruth and for Naomi, right? So in adoration, we say, God, you provide, you care for. The text says, I think, in an act of hilarity that it says, verse 3, she happened to come to the field that belonged to Boaz. That's just the author's way of saying, you know what? God is in control. God is in control. She just happened upon this field. Guess what? There was no chance at all. God led her here, even though she didn't know it. And so God, you provide. You provide favor for your people. Um, God, you provide abundantly. Just going back over that list of what Boaz did for Ruth, God does for us, and we can adore him for it. Um, with confession, with confession, God, I'm sorry that I don't look for your blessing. God, I'm sorry when I am like Naomi and don't expect anything to change. God, I'm sorry 
that I have so little faith so often. I'm sorry that I'm not faithful like Ruth. I'm sorry that I give up. Right? And then Thanksgiving. Jesus, thank you for being my Ruth and my Boaz. Thank you for coming faithfully to serve me when I can do nothing. When I can't save myself. Thank you for blessing me and serving me in your faithfulness. And then supplication. This is when we ask God to change us. And this is where we pray, please change me to look expectantly. Help me to hope. Right? Help me to look expectantly for you to act. Help me to see that river as it's coming if I'm not standing in it yet. And then, show me who I can be a Ruth to. Jesus, who is it in my life that needs me like Naomi needed Ruth? Is it someone at home? Is it someone in my neighborhood? Is it someone in my workplace? Right? Where in the city can I be a Ruth to someone else? Because what if, what if your love and your faithfulness could show someone else the real Christmas this year? What would your season be if you could be Ruth to someone else? What would that look like for you? Who is God putting on your heart that someone might actually get to experience the real Christmas this year because you've brought it to them in your love and your faithfulness? Let's pray. Our Father, thank you that stories about you, stories about your people can change us. Thank you for opening this story to us and showing us not just the greatness of Ruth, not just the greatness of Boaz, but your greatness. Jesus, we fall on our faces and are overwhelmed. Why would you care for us like this since we are sinners, since we have turned our back on you, since we have fallen short, since so often we just don't care? And yet where we were faithless, you are faithful. Jesus, would you help us, every one of us here, folks that know you and folks who don't, Help them to understand this good news. That as Ruth loved Naomi, you love us. As Boaz loved Ruth, you love us. Help us just to turn back to you. And for some of us, it's our whole lives that we need to turn back to you. For others of us, we just have areas in our lives that we stumble in, that we struggle with. And Help us to turn these back to you. 
And the Lord, help us to make Christmas, the real Christmas, come true for someone else this year. Speak to us and show us who that would be. And we'll give you the glory and the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.